So this weekend may be the most important weekend for you to be in church or watching us online. Because today, you can make a decision that will not only change your holiday season, but maybe even your whole life. See, this week, you'll gather with family and friends and celebrate Thanksgiving. Parts of it will be fun and sentimental, even wonderful. And then, as soon as you're done with Thanksgiving, it's like a gun goes off, and blammo, crazy is everywhere. Black Friday starts on Wednesday now, and you, you trample crowds, and you can't trample grandmas just to get that doorbuster sale. And then Cyber Monday hits on, on Monday, and your, your phone is just burning up because you're using it so much, and your credit cards are screaming for mercy. And literally, in the next month, you are going to shop more than you probably have in the previous 11 months. You've got to buy gifts. You've got to decorate your house. Some of you have parties to go to. So not only do you have to buy more, you end up eating more. Some of you have to work more because this is a busy season. And if that wasn't enough stress, they let the kids out of school. Come on! In fact, research shows that this is the most stressful time of the year. So I want to ask you, what do you want the condition of your heart to be at the end of all of this? Do you want to be exhausted, depleted, stressed? Or do you want a sense of wonder and peace where you can say, come January 2 or 3, and you look back and say, you know, this Christmas, I feel like I did it right. Well, today, I'm going to talk to you about the one thing you can do to make that difference. And if you decide to do this one thing, it can change your whole holiday season. Now, I love this sermon. It's become a bit of a tradition around here at River Life. I first heard a version of this sermon 30 years ago from my pastor. And it was a Thanksgiving tradition that he did at our church. And I loved it so much, it's become a Thanksgiving tradition around here as well. It's fun. It's got a little attitude in it. It's got some serious audience participation. And, and I'm really, I've been looking forward to this for weeks. So, what is the one thing that nobody has? Enough. Some of you have more. Some of you have less. But none of us seem to have enough. We always want more. More money. More success. More likes. More stuff. But more doesn't equal enough. More just makes you want more. So why is it that we always want more? Well, the Bible answers this in the very first story, the story of creation. See, it says that when God created us, He put us in a world of yes, where He provided everything we needed. And then, in the center of the garden, God said no. God said no because He wanted us to trust Him. And then the tempter came. And He said to Adam and Eve, Did God really say 
See, he wants you to doubt God's truthfulness. Can you really trust God to have your best interests at heart? And then the second question is even more hideous. Is God really good? I mean, he's withholding something from you. That's the one thing, the one thing that you need, the one thing that would make you happy, he is keeping from you. And if you could have that one thing, then you would be significant. Then you would be important. Then you'd be powerful. Then you'd be like God. And then the third temptation was you can't trust God. You should not live in humble dependence on Him. You should take it for yourself. Then you will become everything you want to be. You see Satan's diabolical plot? Satan's great temptation every day for you is to take your eyes off the many things that God has given you and focus on the one thing you don't have. The one thing you want. The one thing that you believe will make your life better, more meaningful. And nowhere is this more prevalent than during the Christmas season. So, what if you got everything you ever wanted? What if you got everything you ever wanted? What would it do for you? Well, you'd probably say, well, I'd be happy. I'd finally have enough. No. You might have more, but you won't have enough. See, God went out of his way to answer this question. What would happen if you got everything you ever wanted? It's right there in the Bible. And it says the answer is terrifying. So God tells the story of his people, the Israelites. Around 1500 B.C., they were slaves in Egypt. Now, if you were a slave, what is the one thing you would want more than anything else? Freedom. So God gave them freedom. He freed them. Then, and, and then you would think they would be happy, but they weren't happy. They weren't content. They said, well, if only we could have wealth. We've been living in poverty and slavery for so long. We don't have anything. So God enriched his people with money, livestock, possessions. Even then. They weren't satisfied. They said, well, if we could have hope, if we could have a promise that good things would come to us. And so God gave them a promised land and a promised life. But they still weren't happy. They still weren't content. And then in the desert, God provided them food every single day. Food and water for two million people. God provided he gave them manna, which is a perfect traveling food. So like if you think chicken in, in foil is perfect for traveling, no, no, no. Manna is great. And this was, this was nutrient-rich, thin wafer that literally just showed up every morning. God gave them it. But they complained about the manna. They, they prepared it every way they could. They tried. They had baked Manna. They had boiled manna. They had fried manna. They had manna on a stick. They had manna burgers. They had manna cotti. They had banana manna cream pie. And still, they complained. Still, they whined. 
if you would just give us meat, then we would never want for anything else. So God literally had quail fly in from the ocean into the desert. They were knee-deep in quail. Total miracle. But they still weren't grateful. They still complained. And that complaining attitude resulted in a plague that killed a bunch of them. So that's why we read in Numbers 11 this verse. Therefore, the place was named Kibroth Pateva, which means graves of craving, because they buried the people who had craved other food. Graves of craving. You know what happens when you get everything you want? You die in a grave of craving. You may have more, but you'll never have enough. So how do you save yourself from this? What do you do as an alternative? Well, the Bible answers this also. In fact, it's one of the most repeated phrases in all of Scripture. Let's read this together. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Come on, let's read it again one more time. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Why is this one of the most repeated phrases in all of Scripture? Because God knows we need to hear it over and over and over again. We need to hear that all the time. Because look what this little sentence does to Satan's three great lies. Did God really say that? He's not telling you the truth. Give thanks to the Lord. God's not really good. He's holding out on you. For He is good. You can't trust Him. Trust in yourself. His love endures forever. One of the best things you can say this season is give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Let's read it all one more time together. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. So today, I want to teach you how to be a thankful person. How to live out this verse and be more thankful. So, first, we're going to look at Psalm 100, verse 4. It says this, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. We can actually enter into God's presence with the words, Thank you. Look at this verse in the Message Paraphrase Bible. Enter with the password, Thank you. You literally enter into God's presence with the words, Thank you. So we're going to practice that together now. I'm going to give you a scenario, and you're going to say out loud, thank you. Okay? Here we go. When you taste something, and it's delicious, God didn't have to give you taste buds, but He did. You taste something so yummy, you say, yeah. I know Kenny said that especially loud. Yeah. 
Okay? When you want to do something, and your arms and your legs can do it, you say, when you go to work, and you can receive a paycheck, and serve your family and feed your family, you say, when your heart beats a hundred thousand times a day, you say, and when you don't have to live in Wisconsin, you say, yeah. Sorry, Wisconsinites. Threw, threw you under the bus on that one. Now, what happens when we don't thank God? Take a look at this verse in Romans 1, 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. And, but their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. When we are thankful, we walk into God's presence. But when we complain, when we are not thankful, when we whine, when we don't thank God, we literally become dark-hearted fools. So, how many of you have complained or whined this week? Come on, we're going to do a mass confession here. It's good for the soul. Here we go, okay? So, we're going to do a mass confession. Now, how many of you have complained about the weather, your job, or the election? Complained about how everything is way more expensive these days? Have you complained about your weight, your in-laws, or your in-laws' weight? Have you complained about your spouse that you have or you don't have? Have you complained about your kids that you have or you don't have or you wish you didn't have? When you complain, you move toward hell and you smell like smoke. And worse than that, you damage everything. You damage your family. You damage your workplace. You damage your church. And you damage your own soul. There is an alternative. There is an alternative. Let me give you two definitions. The thankfulness and contentment. Thankfulness is wanting what you have. Thankfulness is wanting what you have. Everyone, complete the sentence. Thankfulness is? Okay, so let's practice this. I'm going to say something, and you're going to say back to me, I want my blank. It couldn't be better. Okay? When you walk out to your car after church, and it's old, a little rusty, some weirds drop dripping from the bottom, and it smells. You look at your car and say, "Okay, we 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 need to practice this." Okay, let's try. Let's try. Okay, here's another one. You look at your clothes. They're a little old, a little ratty. You're looking a little frumpy. You look at your clothes and say. Yeah, okay. Then you go to your job, and you get frustrated by your boss and those turkeys you have to work with. And you look at your job, and you say, 
Yeah. And when you look, in, you look at your body in the mirror, that body that God gave you, you look at your body and you say, Really? Yes, even that one. Yes. When you want what you have, you are living a thankful life. You are rejecting Satan's lies and you are entering into God's presence. Let me give you another definition. Contentment is not wanting more. Okay? Contentment is not wanting more. So who's more content? The person with five kids or five million dollars? Well, it's obvious. The person with five kids, because they don't want any more. Okay. See, now that joke kills in a white church. See, for a mom church, maybe I need to change it to like ten kids. So you're like, dude, five kids? Man, that was my bedroom growing up. But you know what? There are people, see, there are people all around us who are discontented. In fact, our world and social media is designed to make you discontented. And see, there's a reason contentment is so difficult. Because see, we're here, but we want to be there. See, we're here, but if we were there, then we'd be happy. If we were there, then we'd be content. Then our problems would be solved. We'd have more money, more family, kids, whatever. We're here, but we want to be there. But you know what? There are people who are there that want to be there. Wherever you are, if you can't be content here, you're not going to be content there. If you can't be content here, you are not going to be content there. So, we're going to do some contentment exercises. Ready? I'm going to show you something. Put it up on the screen. And you're going to say, I don't need it. Okay? Here we go. You see these amazing Black Friday doorbuster deals. You look at those ads, you pull it up online, and you say, yeah. You see the new iPhone 14, and you're still rocking like an iPhone 6. You see that iPhone 14, and you say, yeah. When you're eyeballing that fifth slice of pumpkin pie, you say, you look at gas prices, and they are outrageous, and you say, no, you need that. Your car is not going to run without gas. You need that. Thankfulness is wanting what you have. And contentment is not wanting more. So if I gave Pompoa a day of unlimited shopping at Mall of America, would she be happier? More content? More, more thankful? Ha! We'll never know. Not going to happen. <laughs> so, I want to wrap things up here by, by giving you an opportunity to practice thankfulness. So, a few years back, some really smart people over at Harvard did a study on thankfulness. They did a study on gratitude. 
And here's what they found out. Well, so first, they figured out what makes a person grateful. They discovered one habit that all grateful people shared in common. They would sit down twice a day, every day, and write a list of at least three things they were thankful for. Twice a day, three things. And then they would say it out loud. Not just write it down. They would say it out loud, and they'd do that twice a day. And here's the amazing things that they discovered. The people who did this were more creative, more energetic, more optimistic, more socially connected, they earned more money, they were more forgiving, they were more generous, and they were better looking. Okay, I made that last one up. Okay. So we're going to do that right now. You're going to write something down. So pull out your phone or grab one of the connection cards in front of you, grab a pen. You're going you're to write something down. And I want you to write down three things you're thankful for. Okay, and all of you watching online, you can play the home edition of this game. Grab something to write with, grab your phone, unless you're watching on it, then leave it there. And I want you all at home to do the same. Write down three things that you are thankful for. So everybody write that out. Three things. be like that little girl in the video. I'm thinking. Hmm. Three things. Okay. Almost got that third one. Okay. Three things. And then... I want you to say them out loud to somebody around you. Either somebody you came with or meet a new friend. So you're going to say these out loud. So for me, I'm thankful for my health. I'm a little healthier today than I was a year ago. I'm thankful for this church. I absolutely love River Life. I'm thankful for my dad's health, and I'm thankful for my sister's health. So those are the three things that I am thankful for. Now you go ahead and share it with someone around you. And if you're watching us online, Go ahead and throw those up in the comment section. We'd love to see it. Share it with others. And if you're at home watching with someone, share it with them.
you are halfway there to being more grateful people. And look at this. I can tell you're already 50% better looking. So at the end of December, what do you want the condition of your heart to be? Practice thankfulness. And God says you can enter into his presence and you resist Satan's lies. Be thankful. Be content. And get ready for a different kind of holiday season. Join me in prayer. Thank you, God. For your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you, God. For your unconditional love. For your blessings. Thank you, God. Thank you for the forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Thank you. Help us be thankful this season, Lord. With everything going on around us, we need your help. We can't do this alone. Help us be thankful. Help us be content. Give peace to our hearts and peace to our souls so that we can be content with all of the yes you give us. Draw our hearts away from the one thing we want that we'll, we'll think will solve all of our problems. And instead, draw our hearts to you. Draw our eyes to the cross. And turn our souls upward to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.